chapter 4. Again, we want to say thank you to all of our visitors who are joining with us. Welcome, praise God. This is Christ Month. If you haven't noticed already, we really like Christmas around here. And um, praise the Lord. But we like keeping Christ the focal point of Christmas. Praise God. So in the month of December, I'm going to do what I can under the, the leading of the Holy Ghost to preach about Christ. And today, I hope to do that um, this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. When you have it, say amen. If you can read it on the screen, then you can say amen. Hallelujah. It's a little small print today, but Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Yes, we do. That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Everybody say tempted. Like as we are. Yet he lived without sin, which is contrary to me. I don't know about you, but contrary to how I've lived, praise God. He lived without sin. Hallelujah. With this understanding, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ recognizes and sympathizes, he, he uh, uh, connects with our experiences and our temptations, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if you're a member of this church, you've probably heard me preach on this passage of Scripture many times, but today I'm going to preach again on it, and uh, uh, today I just want to talk to us for a little about, while about this topic, one of us, one of us. He shouldn't have been, but he made himself like one of us. Hallelujah. Let's put our Bibles down and let's ask him to speak to us today. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done, all that you're about to do in this house. We invite you, Lord, to speak to us. I pray that, Lord God, the many visitors we have today, that you would stir in their hearts, that your name, Lord Jesus, would be proclaimed to them. I pray for all of our members, Lord Jesus, today that, God, you would move in their hearts and minds in a significant way. We pray for the Joseph family who lost a family member this morning. We pray, God, for them and their family as they grieve in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for what you're about to do in this place because we know you've already encountered this house with your presence, and we expect that you're going to do something even greater. Hallelujah. Even greater. Would you shout that greater? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to preach with me this morning? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. One of us. What an amazing thought that God would become one of us. In the Old Testament, it would appear that God was extremely distant. In fact, 
most of the followers of Jehovah in the Old Testament had never heard his voice, had never witnessed his miraculous power. Many of them followed him, as it may seem, at a distance. There were men who were gifted, men who would uh, be used by God to communicate his word, to perform miracles, But in general, God seemed like he only communicated to just a handful of people in the Old Testament. And beyond that, it would appear that he was judgmental, if you would, if it it seemed that way. Whenever someone would sin, there would be an immediate punishment for that sin. The Old Testament had the responsibility of setting forth a standard to which we are able to live by today. It was essential for God to distinguish those standards early on. So the entire perspective of God became something that I believe God did not like and wanted to change. God wasn't content just being a distant, far-off God He wanted to be a God that could be known by the people and could know the people. Isn't that amazing? Think about that for a moment. Hallelujah. The God who created all of this desired to get to know us on a personal level. Oh, praise the Lord. But he understood that although he created us, he created our minds, he created our bodies, he created every aspect of us, that he could not know what it was like to be one of us while he was in heaven. Oh, but he changed all that when on that beautiful day a virgin gave birth to a child and all of a sudden God had entered into this world. Oh, praise God. It was so important that it was prophesied many years before the event took place. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A word, a name, a title that had not been previously uttered about Jehovah. But now he's saying, I want to be known as Emmanuel. What does that word mean, Emmanuel? It was, the meaning is something that's completely bewildered to the people of Israel. God again being a distant God that they just had to follow a bunch of rules and they'd be okay. They'd never have to worry about God or Jehovah. But now the Bible's saying that the Lord himself is going to provide a sign The Lord himself is going to produce something called Emmanuel. Well, we find out what Emmanuel means. And if you're a student of the Bible, you already know today, but rejoice like this is the first time you've heard it, all right? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the angels explaining to to Joseph exactly what's going to take place. And he confirms this prophecy and says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You see, God was a distant God afar off that they couldn't know, they couldn't see, they couldn't recognize. But now, He is not God at a distance. He's God with us. He's God with us. He's God among us. He's God who walks next to us. He's God who speaks to us in a focal voice. He's God who recognizes us and all that we go through. Oh, hallelujah. The God who created all that actually made himself part of the creation. He made himself part of the creation. John 1.14 And the Word, the Word which obviously represents Christ, was made flesh. Oh, praise God. He was made flesh. And he dwelt among us. You see, before this, before Jesus, it was difficult to imagine God being with us. Before Jesus, you couldn't even imagine God sitting in the chair next to you. But now, whenever you think of God being present with you, who do you see in your mind? Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he went from being the distant God to the God who's dwelling among us. And I know that body rose up into heaven. Hallelujah. But I know the spirit of the Lord is still here with us. And we know that Jesus has not left us. But now he dwells even closer with us by the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. Come on. He went from a distant God in heaven to a man in the earth to a spirit inside side of us. He literally could not get closer to you and me. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve. How about we take a moment right now and rejoice in him? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's do that for a moment. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. But even though he decided to dwell among us, he could have still separated himself. He could have still made a distinction between his life and our life. Allowing himself to be among us, but not really feel what we feel. But that's not what God did. In fact, he made it his mission to feel every, oh, to feel every feeling that you feel. He made it his mission to feel every emotion that you feel. He made it his mission to feel or experience every temptation that you endure. He made it his mission to not just come, hide up in a hill in some mansion, and then die for us. 
And I know we could say today if we would try to distinguish and pinpoint his perfect mission, the thing that he came to the earth for, we'd say, of course, it was to die on the cross for our sins. But he didn't choose the easy path to the cross. He chose the most difficult path to the cross that he possibly could have taken. And certainly there's no greater depiction of this than that manger scene. If you could put up my my sermon title, that manger scene of Jesus Christ in the farmhouse, if you will, next to the angel, next to the animals lying in a manger. Hallelujah. Sleeping in the place where the animals got their food. There's no greater depiction of the humility that he took. The efforts that God took to be one of us than this right here. Because he wants us to know that if you've been poor, he's been poor too. And if you didn't have a place to lay your head, he knows what it's like to not have a place to lay his head. Oh, Jesus, if you've been turned away by family, which they were, they went to to Bethlehem in order to be with his family, yet there was no room for him. If I had family come by, I think I'd probably make room. I wouldn't stick them in the farmhouse. But the Bible says they said, no, no room here. Maybe it was because, well, Mary's a little too pregnant. And you only got married just a little while ago. What I'm trying to say is he felt those emotions and he knows what that's like. Isn't that incredible? All of those emotions and struggles that we feel around Christmas time every year. Jesus felt those same struggles. And it goes beyond this. We see where Jesus, knowing his true purpose, the business of the Father, right? At 12 years of age, he avoids his parents, and he remains in Jerusalem in a discussion with the doctors of that day. Mary and Joseph frantically try to find him. They find him in the temple. They begin to talk to him and ask him, What are you doing? Why are you here? Jesus gives this answer. Don't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus, even at a young age, knew what it was like to be eager to begin something. Even at a young age, he knew what it was like to have a passion that he could not fulfill. Oh, I feel like at some point I'm going to connect with everybody in this place, I hope. He knew what it was like 
to want to just move on ahead to see great things happen. He knows what it's like to have to sit on the sideline while everybody else does stuff and knowing he has the potential to do better. But the Bible says that he knew what it was like. Oh, but then he submitted to his parents anyhow. So even though he knew those feelings and he knows what it feels like to have an eagerness to get started and to do things, he also knows what it's like to have to force himself to sit on the sideline just because his mom and dad said so. Can you imagine the God of all creation humbles himself to two creations and says, okay, I won't do this now. Verse John, Luke chapter 2 and verse 51. I'm not sure if I have it up there or not. Luke chapter 2 verse 51. It says, and he went down with them. Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Even Jesus had to obey his parents. But we see the results in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Oh, hallelujah. If we could learn to submit a little bit more like Jesus, maybe we too could increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Maybe if we could learn to be a little bit more like him and how he responded, we could also Enjoy in the benefits, the increasing that he experienced. But let's get deeper here, see, because there's some points in this story that are not in the Bible, but history has taught us that within only two or three years from this point, Jesus' father would pass away. That's why he's not in the gospel stories Later on, that's why you don't see him when Jesus is an an adult because Joseph passed away when Jesus was but a teenager. He knows what it's like to lose somebody dearly. And if you think, well, he's Jesus, of course it didn't affect him like it does us. Well, the Bible says that Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus even though he knew he could raise Lazarus from the grave. How much do you think a 14, 15-year-old, how devastating that must have been for him even though he was God? But let's even take it a step further. You see, because at some point between this story in between his beginning and his father dying, Jesus had to sit in a little hut with his father as his father created things and built things. His father was a carpenter. At some point, Jesus had to learn how to take on carpentry from his father. 
At some point, he had to submit himself and go and sit inside this hut while his father, the God who created the materials that his father is using, submitted himself and learned how to operate his hands in a way that he could build things. And the reason that was essential was because even at that young age, his father was preparing him to have to take care of the bills of the house. And it's a good thing he did because from what we know, when Joseph passed away, Jesus became the breadwinner. That means Jesus had to wake up early and go to work and feel the pressure that you feel every day knowing you have to provide for your family. He most likely had to provide for his mom and his brothers and sisters. He had brothers and sisters who were all younger than him, and it would have become the, the oldest boy's responsibility to win all the money, gain all the money to provide for his household. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because there's people in this house where you wake up day after day, every day, and you feel that weight of having to provide Christmas presents and pay the bills and do all of this. Can I tell you, Jesus felt all of those feelings. Jesus felt and shared that burden and responsibility. And can I also tell you this? He did it for longer than he ever did the ministry. Jesus didn't start the ministry until he was 30 years old and he was crucified around 33. That means only three years of his life was spent as the Messiah and the Savior and the other 30 years was spent working every day. And you think that you can't cry out to God and say, God, I need some help right now. I don't know that I can make it much more. I don't know if I can take another step. I don't know if I can go to work again today. You think God's going to curse you, kick you to the side? He says, I know, baby. I was there. I know what that's like. I know that life is hard, but I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to support you, and you're not going to have to do it alone. I'm going to provide for you. Jesus spent most of his life among us. He spent most of his life among us. We've got some hard workers in this place. Oh, listen, you're more like Jesus when you're a hard worker than you are any other time. 
you get up and go to work in the morning, you're just like Jesus. Come on, doesn't that change your perspective a little bit? Hallelujah, to know that if I just live every day in holiness and peace and provide for my family, that's what Jesus did most of his life. You're more like Jesus when you get up and provide for your family than you are any other time. Jesus understands you. Oh, Jesus. He understands you. And you know what? The Bible says he didn't even think it was like robbery. Philippians 2 and verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus knows exactly how you feel when you get hungry. Jesus knows exactly how you feel when you get thirsty. He knows exactly how you feel when you get worn out and tired. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes we can get all business with God. I got to pray. I got to be on it. I got to give him my attention. I got to do this. I got to do that. I said it a couple weeks ago. Some of the greatest prayer meetings I've ever had is when I sat in his presence and God just comforted me and I felt his spirit as I fell asleep. And I woke up sometime later thinking, oh, I was supposed to pray. Hallelujah. But I felt God saying, no, you were supposed to sleep because he understood my weary body needed rest because he knew what it felt like to need rest. Oh, he knew what it felt like and he knows what it feels like to be tempted. The devil tempted him in three different ways. He tempted him with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The Bible says that all that is in the world are these three temptations. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Hallelujah. So that means he's felt the same type of temptation. Yeah, he maybe never felt the temptation to go on a cell phone and look at dirty images. But he does know the temptation to try to be lustful and try to please his flesh. He knows every one of those temptations, and yet he lived without sin. But the Bible says that we can come boldly unto the throne of his grace because he is a high priest that has been touched by a feeling of our infirmities. That means he knows our weaknesses. He knows what helps, what what makes things difficult for us. He knows how difficult it is to stay holy. How difficult it is to say no. Oh, come on. He felt our infirmities. 
and our weaknesses. He was one of us. That's why, hallelujah, you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Pray like you just talk to one of us. Am I right here today? Pray like you would just talk to one of us. Oh, God, my day was rough. My boss doesn't know what she's talking about. I imagine Jesus had to deal with rude customers, too. Hallelujah. Talk to him like he talked to somebody who's just one of us. Because that's exactly what he did. He made himself a likeness of man. Can we stand to our feet right now? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is my final point. And then I'm going to invite you. I, I feel again that maybe I pray that I've connected with every person in this place. I've helped you to feel the familiarity of Jesus' life in your life. But here's the point that I want to leave you with. Jesus was successful in them all. I'm not saying he had a bunch of money because there's no proof to that. But he was a successful carpenter. He obviously provided for his family. He was obviously successful at avoiding temptation and saying no. The Bible makes that point. He lived without sin, which was essential for his crucifixion. But the point here today, Jesus survived the loss of his father. And he is our example because you too will survive this loss. Jesus survived at least 15 years of working to provide for his family. You will survive this financial struggle that you're going through. Jesus survived temptation that was directly from Satan himself. You will survive this temptation and come out a victor and an overcomer. So as we come, let us come boldly. Not to a throne that is distant, that is unreachable, but a throne of grace that was built upon the sweat, the hunger, the thirst, the sorrow, the pain that Jesus endured as a man. Hallelujah. Come boldly unto that throne of grace. And don't come to seek a distant God, but come to seek the one who's among us. The one who is of us. One of us. 
Hallelujah, and he understands exactly what you're going through. I'm going to make the call out right now to anyone who would come. If you've been something connected with you today on this, would you come down and find a place? We just invite everybody to come down here. We do it every altar call. Just come down, find a place to just talk to God. You don't need to be disturbed or anything. Just find a place where you can talk to the one who is among us right now, who is one of us, who says, I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're having a hard time with. I know the sorrow. I know the depression. I know the pain. I know the temptation. (laughs) He is the most relatable person in this room to you right now. Because he's experienced all that you've experienced. And you know what? Hallelujah. I know this is about how you relate to Jesus, but you also relate to every person who to the left to you and to the right of you. Every person in here is a sinner who is in need of Jesus. There's no one holier, greater than the other. We're all in need of the hand and the help of God. your hard-working man, hard-working woman who feels like your day is just wasted away every day, 
and you're in this endless loop. You're never more like Christ than when you get in that endless loop of going to work every day. You're never more like Christ than when you're struggling to pay the bills. I want you to go boldly right now. I want you to go boldly right now. Hallelujah. Boldly ask him for help. Boldly ask him for help. Boldly ask him for that healing. Boldly ask him for that miracle. Boldly ask him for that blessing. You can do it because he understands where you're coming from. Boldly ask him. In the name of Jesus. I, oh God, we need you, Jesus.
If you're still praying, we invite you to continue to pray. I'm wondering if I could have everybody in this place right now, the children who just joined us, if we could all stand right now, hallelujah. I'd like to say a word of prayer before we dismiss today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Could you again just one more time lift up your hands and begin to say, Jesus, I know you're a God that relates to what I'm going through. You are not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of my infirmities, but you understand. I don't know how. I don't know how it's possible that God, you could understand what I'm going through. But God... But God, I know that you do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for roaming yourself in flesh. Thank you for dwelling among us. God, I pray that every person in this place will leave this house feeling just a little bit closer to you as they know that they can relate to you and you to them. That they'll feel a little bit closer to you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you for everything you've done today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your anointing. Oh, Oh, Jesus, we love you and we thank you. 
Oh, praise God. How about we just exit this service in some praise and worship. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Jesus. Thank you. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for the blessings you poured out today, the miracles we're going to see, the temptations we're going to overcome. We thank you, God, for what you've done today. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. Please bless the the cocoa and all the snacks we're about to eat, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. How about you shout amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining with us. God bless all of our visitors, all our members. Please stay. Get some cocoa. We got Lucky Charms marshmallows. We got chocolate spoons, chocolate pretzels. Make sure you get some cocoa. It's all free. God bless you.